Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. Hola! Hola, amigo! Hola, mi amigo! Hola, amigo! Hola, mi amigo! Por favor, uno momento. Ah. Hola, vecino. Uh, te gustera venir uh, conmigo a la iglesia el domingo. Mi iglesia es muy dorito. Dur dorito? Uh, oh, <laughs> dervitido. Uh, y se puede transformar tu vida de pecano. Oh, pecado, pecado. <laughs> not, not pecano, but, but uh, pecano says muy delicioso. See? 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 See, I, See? I, don't, even know See? I don't even know what you're saying. You speak English. Yes. You're not a Spaniard. Well, I'm a quarter Hispanic, but I don't I don't speak the language. Seriously. Yeah, I never Seriously. I never learned the language. Seriously. What were you saying? Never mind. We're going to continue the series on neighboring and what it means to be a neighbor. And today, we're gonna to talk about being a neighbor to brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you just take a look around, look next to you there, look down the aisle, your brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're talking about each other today. There are some things in our world that look very much alike. For instance, a king snake and a coral snake, an alligator and a crocodile. Did you know that an orange tree can produce both sweet and sour oranges? And they still look a lot alike. Often people are unable to tell things apart because they look so much alike. But on each of them, there is something that sets them apart. Each of them is distinctive in some way. You just have to know what to look for. Now with king and coral snakes, you look for the placement of their rings. In alligators and crocodiles, you look at their teeth and the shape of their snouts. In the same way, the sweet and sour oranges have different peels and the trees have different leaves, depending on what part of the tree you're talking about. You have to know the marks that make them distinctive. Now, the following passage that I'm going to read, apparently the Apostle John was addressing a group of people who believe, they believed that they were Christians, but they were experiencing some doubt. Any of you ever experienced some doubt about your faith, about your walk with God? You ever wake up in the middle of the night and go, wow, am I really saved? 
What happens when life is over? Am I really going to be ushered into the presence of the Lord? Okay, it's just me, I guess. Let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 5, 3. I know it's a little long, but uh, you don't have any, play, any place else to go, do you? All right. Verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Selective loving here does not typify or identify a Christian. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, <clears throat> Verse 11. <laughs> now, if that continues, we're going to have to change something here. <laughs> Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Verse 13. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Verse 17 and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Aren't you glad that this is a process? So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we are not fully or we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Verse 20, if someone says, and I really want you to listen to this because this is part of the crux of the message today. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer. Now let's take out the word hate there and let's, let's play with it just a little bit. If someone says, I love God, but I despise a fellow believer. If I strongly dislike a fellow believer, if I can't stand to look at their face or to hear their name, does that bring it, bring it down just a little bit more? Does that make it a little more real? Again, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we have not seen? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And then we go to chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Hmm. You can't have one without the other. 
We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And guess what? His commandments are not burdensome. Now, the word love or some version of the word love is used 33 times in these 18 verses. So I think John is trying to communicate a message to us. Allow the love of God to be a part of your life. Express it to others. So what are the things John speaks of we are to look for in our lives? What are the distinctives you find in one of Jesus' disciples that set us apart? In this passage, I believe John lists three primary distinctives we are to look for in a believer's life. Number one, an obedient Christian has a distinctive love. An obedient Christian has a distinctive love. Now, we live in a society and a culture where many people live only to please themselves. It doesn't matter what it takes to get ahead. It doesn't matter who you have to step on or who you have to throw under the proverbial bus, who you have to talk about, who you have to belittle, who you have to cheat, swindle, or lie to. As long as you get ahead, it's all good. Unfortunately, the same attitude sometimes creeps into church. There are those among us who hold grudges. There are those who refuse to forgive. There are those who hate others simply because they have a different opinion, a different conviction, speak a different language, or maybe even have a different color of skin. Amen. Or oh me, whichever. Now the following is a brief article that I want to share with you. And it goes like this. The scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. British statesman, excuse me, British statesman and financier Cecil Rhodes, whose fortune was used to endow the world-famous Rhodes Scholarships, was known as a stickler for correct dress. His convictions on attire, however, were second to his care for someone else's feelings. This became apparent one evening when a young man invited to dine with Rhodes arrived on a late train, and he had to go directly to Rhodes' home in his travel-strained clothes. He arrived embarrassed to find the other guests were wearing full evening dress. Just then, Rhodes appeared in a shabby old blue suit. He heard about his guest dilemma and wanted him to feel comfortable. Now, most would argue that convictions are a good thing, right? It's crucial, however, to prioritize our convictions and to focus on what's really important. Take, for example, music in our churches. Now, of course, I'm not talking about Life Church. I'm talking about some other church. Okay, I'm talking about Life Church too. Many feel convicted that this or that kind of music is the only kind of music that should be sung or played in the church. So they decide to fight the battle to the death. They destroy relationships and they break fellowship over this one issue. But the truth is we can have convictions without letting those preferences override our biblical duties to love each other and to seek unity in the body of Christ. 
Keep your convictions prioritized and remember what's most important in life, loving God and loving people. A man and his wife were walking through a park in Miami one afternoon when they saw a Cuban family enjoying a meal or a picnic. The family was tossing scraps of bread to a raccoon and saying repeatedly, help me here, Oye, chico, ven acá. <laughs> you didn't know I was bilingual, did you? <laughs> well, I'm really not. And I think that means, come here, boy. The man thought for a moment and laughed. He confessed to his wife that his first reaction was, well, that's silly. Raccoons don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Whatever our background, it's our nature to see the world through our own experiences. There's a big old world out there that we may have never experienced yet. And we live right here. We need to pray that God will expand our horizons and to see the preferences, to see the needs of other people. Whatever our background, it's our nature to see things through our own experiences. Now, this can sometimes create a problem when well-meaning people from different backgrounds try to resolve conflict. We each carry our own assumptions for how the world should work. When we look at much of the disunity in some churches today, this has been the crux of the issue. People from different ages, races, and backgrounds come together with their own ideas of how the church should work. But the truth is, these are just ideas. Simple preferences. These are preferences based on our own life experiences, or they could be from pressure that may come from other churchgoers that have strong preferences and they want everyone to know about them. And they want you to join their team. To have unity at Life Church, we must submit our preferences to a simple question. What is the best way to carry out the great commandment of loving God and loving people? So instead of just fighting for what seems right to you, question your own assumptions and be part of the solution for how to move forward in unity. Our love as Christ followers should be different and it should be distinct. It's understandable that our preferences would have divided us before we came to Christ. But it is shameful, hear me, it is shameful for us as Jesus followers to withhold love and to punish others for having a different preference than we do. Now the second primary distinctive to look for is that an obedient Christian has a distinctive life. We have a distinctive life. John 5, verses 2 and 3 says, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Now what this means is that my lifestyle is one that reflects a Christ-like life one that is different from unsaved people. Now let me give you five reasons, and these are sub-points. Let me give you five reasons why Christians habitually practice love. Now I didn't say that we practice love perfectly, but we make it a habitual practice of our lives. Number one, 
because God is the essence of love. God is the essence of love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. John MacArthur once said, Love is inherent in all he is and does. Even his judgment and wrath are perfectly harmonized with his love. Number two, Christians habitually practice love in order to imitate the example of God's sacrificial love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. You ever ask yourself, what is love? Here it is. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The judgment of sin on the cross was the supreme example of God's love. For he poured out his wrath on his son, Jesus, in the place of sinners. I guess that means he poured out his wrath on his son in our place. Therefore, as we reflect the character of the Father, we should be willing to offer ourselves completely to God for his purposes. Romans 12, 1 and 2 say, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God is not after behavior modification. That comes when your mind is changed, when your heart is changed. You will live differently. But you have to change from the inside out. Again, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then finally, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Ever asked yourself, what is God's will? I don't know what God's will is. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Number three, Christians habitually practice love because love is at the heart of our Christian witness. Love is at the heart of our Christian witness. The only demonstration of God's love in our world is the church. Individual Christ followers and the collective group of his children that make up the body of Christ. Nobody can see God loving because his love is invisible. The only demonstration of God's love today is God's love shared through you and through me. We need to understand that. Boy, I wish they would experience the love of God. Show them the love of God. Live out the love of God. Share the love of God with other people. The Apostle John's statements about love can be summarized the following way. Love originated in God, was manifested in his son, and is demonstrated through his people. Number four, Christians habitually practice love because love is the Christian's assurance. Love is the Christian's assurance. Some of you need this today. 
Love defeats self-condemnation and the attempted condemnation that oftentimes comes from other people, including Satan. Romans 8, 1 and 2. You need to begin and end the day with these verses, I think. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. When we recognize in our lives the manifestation of God's love, it results in confidence about our relationship with God. And finally, number five, Christians habitually practice love because love is the Christian's confidence in judgment. Love is the Christian's confidence in judgment. 1 John chapter 4. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. You ever thought about that? In this world, we are like Jesus. It's been said, we're the only Jesus that somebody will ever see. So we might want to make that a good example. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. That's pretty straightforward, but it's so true. Godly confidence is a sign of spiritual maturity, a sign that our love is maturing. We're not perfect yet, but we're on our way. We're growing. We're developing. We are maturing in Christ. John MacArthur also said, Christians love not in order to escape judgment, but because we have escaped judgment. And then let me go back to the three main points. Point number three, the third distinctive in a believer's life is that an obedient Christian has a distinctive faith. We have a distinctive love, we have a distinctive life, and also we have a distinctive faith. There are certain beliefs that every Christian every follower of Christ holds to. For instance, Christians believe in Jesus and Jesus alone for their salvation. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ron John Surf Shop. You familiar with Ron John? They have a motto that says, not one of many, but one of a kind. Christians understand that Jesus is not one of many. To fit in somewhere between Buddha and Muhammad. He is not one of many different paths you can take to get to God the Father. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And guess what? That makes perfect sense because he himself is God. Now in summary, obedient Christians have a distinctive love. They live distinctive lives and they have a distinctive faith. Let me ask you today, do you love like Jesus? Sometimes. <laughs> On Sundays, it's much easier. 
Then I have to go to back to work Monday. That's when it gets tough. Do you love like Jesus? Do you live like Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus and that he is the only means of salvation? Now, if you don't love like Jesus, if you don't live like Jesus, or if you don't have faith in Jesus completely, there is one of two steps that you need to take this morning. Number one, I want to encourage you to accept Jesus. Make him Lord of your life. Make him the leader of your life. Turn your life completely over to him. It may be that you've never made him the boss. In that case, why not turn your life over to him this morning? Or number two, obey Jesus. If you know that you are a Christ follower and you are loving and living like Jesus did, that's fantastic. And I rejoice with you. However, if you are a believer and yet you don't love like Jesus and you don't live like Jesus, then you're falling short of the mandate to love and live like Jesus. And he wants to propel you to love maturely. All you have to do is ask Jesus to increase your capacity to allow his love to flow through you. And I have to confess, there are some people that are, that are hard to love, right? Or is it just me? <laughs> the lights are too bright. The people in the balcony are, are not responding, I guess. No, I'm just teasing. It's hard to love some people. Guess what? Sometimes we're unlovable or hard to love, right? Yeah. But it is through God's love in you, in the person next to you, working together, that makes this whole thing work like it should. We can live in unity. We can live in love, in a love relationship with each other. The agape love of God. But you have to give yourself to him first and allow him to love through you, to live through you. Amen? I'd like to invite our prayer team members to come forward. We have two main ways we want to pray today. We want to pray for those who have not yet made Jesus the leader of their lives. And if you'd like to come to Christ today, one of these individuals will show you how to turn your life over to him. They have that information. But also, for the collective body of Christ here, if you're struggling loving people, or it may just be one person, or it may be a hundred people, I don't know, and you need God's empowerment, we want to pray for you. Because God would not have given us this mandate if he did not make, if he did not make it a possibility for us to realize that in our lives. But again, it's his empowerment, his love flowing through you that makes it happen. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.